My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start with a card I received this week. Uh, it was addressed to everyone at St. Philip the Deacon. That includes all of you. This comes from a ninth grader. I got permission to share this. I'm not going to give you um, the name of the person it's from, but it's a ninth grader who just went through confirmation, which we did earlier in January, which is a big deal here at St. Philip the Deacon. It takes up a whole week of our life together. Um, and this ninth grader was uh, kind enough to send us uh, a thank you card, which I want to share with you. You will notice that I'm opening the card and now flipping open a little flap. Uh, that's because this young gentleman has the same problem I do with my penmanship. Um, so rather than write it out, he typed it and then pasted it in. Here's what he said. Uh, Dear St. Philip the Deacon Church and all of its wonderful staff, I think that faith is sometimes what holds us together as people. We can always tell that someone is watching over us in the good times and the bad times. This church has been so great to me and my family, and I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you have done for me and my family. Your week that you put together for us was so amazing, and I feel like everyone enjoyed their confirmation so much because of it. Another thing that you do is that you are so great to everyone that walks through the doors, members or guests. So, so thank you for everything you do for everyone. So we try here at St. Philip the Deacon uh, regularly and repeatedly to um, report back to you how your gifts make a difference. That's the language we use. Um, I don't know if we could ever fully communicate that. Those of us who are privileged to work here maybe see it in some more intimate ways day in and day out. But I, just, I lift this up just as yet another reminder that if you wonder if your presence here makes a difference, if you wonder if this community of faith makes a difference, this family of faith, uh, notes like this are a wonderful reminder that indeed we do. We make a difference in the lives of countless people. And on behalf of this young ninth grade young man and uh, all the others whose lives are impacted, I just say to you again what we say so often, which is thank you. Isn't that a nice note, though? Yeah. So today's gospel um, is a famous passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it has its own title. It's called the Beatitudes. It's this uh, list of, of blessings that starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, it comes at the beginning of a longer section of a few chapters in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. The truth is we could spend a half a year or a year about either the Sermon on the Mount or frankly just the Beatitudes. Today, um, I don't presume that I'm going to plumb the depths of it, but I do want to sort of put the Beatitudes in context, which is always, in my opinion, incredibly important in understanding uh, a Bible passage. So I'm actually going to have you take out your Bibles uh, from the pews, or if you brought your own, that's fine too. But in the pew Bible, I'm going to have you turn to the beginning of chapter, or of chapter 3, I guess, of Matthew, which is page 878 and 879. So page 878, 879 in the New Testament. While you're doing that, I also want to just pause and let you reflect for a moment on a question, which is, if I mention the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, that list of, of verses, um, I'd just like you to pause and in your mind's eye imagine what that scene looks like in your uh, mind. Um, you know, where is Jesus? What does he look like? Who is surrounding him? How many people are around him? And just 
try to capture that in your own imagination. What, what comes to mind when you think about that moment in the life of Jesus? You have something in your head, everyone? I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to that later. So again, I want to put this in context, though. So um, the Beatitudes start in chapter 5, but running up to that, at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, which is very linear, we get um, the genealogy of Jesus. We get a very short birth narrative in chapter 1, uh, the visit of the wise men in chapter 2, escape and return to and from Egypt. Then in chapter 3, what we've been dealing with, uh, or we dealt with a few weeks ago, is John the Baptist, who prepares the way for Jesus. John then baptizes Jesus. The headings in our pew Bibles are actually very helpful in this to sort of walk through the story. Uh, Jesus is baptized. He immediately goes out into the wilderness where he is tempted. That will be the reading, as it always is, to set up Lent uh, in a month or so. Uh, And after Jesus returns from the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, that's when his public ministry begins. Again, the header says, Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. So we're at the very start of his ministry, and one of the first things we, he does, and again, we've been talking about this in uh, worship the last couple of weeks, is he starts to call his disciples around him. And in fact, the heading there says, Jesus calls his first disciples, or the first disciples. So if you turn the page, to page 880, we're getting closer to the Beatitudes, which are uh, in chapter 5, but I just want to pause and read the very last chapter, or paragraph, rather, of chapter 4. Uh, where it says Jesus ministers to crowds of people. Uh, Matthew writes, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Okay, so I asked you a second ago to imagine what the uh, scene of the Beatitudes would be like. I also want to pause and just have you reflect for a minute. Uh, Given what I just read about what's happening with the disciples and Jesus, what do you think the disciples are feeling right now? How do you think they're feeling? Again, I think it's important for us to sort of try to place ourselves in these stories uh, to fully understand them. I can either tell you what I think you might be thinking, or you can shout some words out. So why don't we try the latter? So what what do you think the disciples might be thinking or feeling right now? Confused? What was the other one? Sorry? King of the heap. Oh, king of the heap. Okay, king of the heap, yep. Anyone else? Challenged. Challenged. Awe, okay, yep. Part of a movement, for sure. Any other feelings? So I think all of those are true, and even with those short few responses, you get a sense, I think what they're probably feeling is a whole bunch of conflicting emotions. I do think they're probably excited. I think they're proud. They're glad to be part of this movement. I also think they're probably, again, this is very early, in, in their relationship with Jesus. I think they're probably also filled with some sense of, am I good enough for this? So a sense of doubt. I think there's probably more than a little bit of grief they're feeling. You know, they've left their whole lives be- behind. Uh, they're not staying at the nicest hotels with this Jesus guy. They're kind of wondering, maybe it was better being a fisherman. I honestly think they're probably feeling some jealousy. 
Because here they've given up everything to follow Jesus, and he's spending all of his time with these crowds, healing them and helping people, and they're thinking, hey, how about a little time for me? And honestly, did you, did you read that paragraph or you listen to me? They're moving around. They're doing a lot of stuff. I think they're also, frankly, just plain tired and exhausted. So that's sort of the mindset of the disciples. At least I think it's fair to think that that would be. It doesn't say that explicitly. Now, move to chapter 5, finally to the Beatitudes. Now, I'm not going to ask you to name what you were thinking when you imagined the Beatitudes, but if, if Googling Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount and looking at images of it is any indication of what's in our collective consciousness about this, then what we typically think of is Jesus standing up on a high place in a white robe, looking like, you know, some kind of formal orator, talking to hundreds or even thousands of people who are hanging on every word that he says, you know, pronouncing these grand truths. Here's what I want you to do, though. Now, look at the first verse of chapter 5, and what does it say? It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. Now, again, we could spend months on the Beatitudes, but I think that one verse indicates that after all of this flurry of frenetic activity when the disciples are feeling tired and worn out and filled with questions and doubts, and yes, energized, at this particular moment, in the midst of these big crowds, it's very clear Jesus goes away from the crowds up the mountains, which he did regularly, He sits down, maybe he himself is tired, and his disciples sit around him. So rather than having Jesus standing on a mountain orating to thousands of people, what you have is an intimate group of Jesus' closest friends and followers who Jesus is trying to encourage. And he begins then with the Beatitudes that all of a sudden start to make a different kind of sense, in my mind anyway. If you read through them, all of them apply to the disciples uh, as they were feeling the things we just talked about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The disciples are wiped out. Blessed are those who mourn. I do think the disciples are grieving their past life. Blessed are the meek. I think the disciples are trying to live into this new role and trying to figure out how do they play it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The disciples wouldn't be with Jesus if they didn't feel those things. Blessed are the merciful. I think the disciples are clearly showing mercy to the people who are following Jesus and pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, crowds always behave perfectly, right? Um, I have a feeling the disciples ended up being ushers and bodyguards and having to uh, navigate fights between people. So they're making peace literally among the crowds. And blessed are those who are persecuted. I have to believe some people said to the disciples, hey, you're crazy. Why are you following this guy? And to the disciples, what Jesus is saying at this particular moment is, I know you're filled with doubts. I know you're filled with questions. I know you're tired. I know you are asking the question, does my life matter? Am I making a difference And in this quiet moment that we have together, I, Jesus, want to tell you, yes, you are. You are blessed. That's an important word, by the way. Tricia mentioned the word happy, and sometimes it's translated happy. Uh, Usually it's translated blessed. The implication, though, is that it means that we feel a certain way, 
What it's important to note is I think the disciples are wondering, does anyone care about me? Am I doing work that is valuable or meaningful? And an important translation of the word that we translate usually blessed is this, privileged recipient of divine favor. Privileged recipient of divine favor. So it has nothing to do with how they're feeling. It has to do with Jesus saying to them, you are honored. And even if you don't feel like anyone else is paying attention, God is paying attention, and you are a privileged recipient of God's um, blessing and favor. Understood that way, the, the Beatitudes all of a sudden sort of open up for me and make a new kind of sense because I can sympathize and resonate with how those disciples are feeling. Anyone else? Tired. Not always, by the way, I feel pretty good today, actually. But all of us at certain times have felt tired, worn out. And all of us, I think, wonder, sort of as I began today, does our life make a difference? Are we making an impact? Does anyone care? And folks, we don't always get thank you notes, right? To tell us we're making a difference. And so we wonder, and we question, and we come here, so that in the midst of those questions, in the midst of those insecurities, in the midst of those doubts, does anyone care? Does my life matter? Am I making a difference? We can be reminded that at least one person always is paying attention, and one person always cares. And his name, of course, is Jesus. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and holy God, for 2,000 years, your followers have tried to do your work, always filled with questions and doubts and insecurities. Today, I pray that you will remind us that we are blessed, that we are recipients of your divine favor. Help us to trust that, not for our own sake, but so that we can be sent out fearlessly into a world that so desperately needs your love and your care. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.